Hello everyone, welcome to podcast Who Am I? with William and myself, Stephen. Uh, today we are going to be talking about uh, trust, loyalty, oaths and promises. I guess we more call them promises these days, but um, you know, if you look back in in history, they were often called oaths. Like you make an oath, you swear an oath to the gods or to each other, and that was the, I guess, uh, it was almost like a, the basic contract between anyone. Really, was a was a you know, it's a promise, isn't it? To to me, an oath sounds like a verbal thing. I don't yeah. know if, if that mm, is is okay. necessarily the case, but yeah, we want to get into not only spoken promises but also written promises, like contracts. Yeah. No, that's that's important to distinguish, I guess, isn't it? Um, yeah, I never really thought about that element to it. But yes, an oath is more of a spoken thing. Promise more of a spoken thing, but promise can be written down. So yeah, I guess my like I've been thinking about this concept for a few weeks, um, based upon some of the I've been exploring it in my own writing, um, and it's just been on my mind how, again, culturally and individually how we i guess value these things i guess that's probably probably the root of it for me is once upon a time like you know if you broke a promise that was it that was you like that was um i guess you would have a complete reputation of being a promise breaker like that's how serious it was i guess from what i can tell again i wasn't there in, in history but if you read back over various things it seems like it was the value of a promise if you broke it it was hugely shameful hugely um uh well, yeah, big consequences for mm -hmm. it in some people cut off your hand if, if you broke some law yeah and, and that would then be assigned to everyone forever <laughs> that you're yes, not to be trusted true. but yeah. you're right it's it's even it's almost as severe in, in that sense that your reputation is gone forever because it, whatever you did gets um, spread around in a, yeah. in a small knit society. Nowadays, you could just move to another city and pretty much start over. But, <laughs> yes. but we're thinking, I think you're also thinking of like villages in the Middle Ages, for example. Yes. Yeah. Like, I guess starting off there, starting off with just a simple, um, I guess, trust based uh, promise being like, you know, um, I'm going to watch your farm for a week you know back in the day or whatever while you're away going to market and come back and now if you if the farm is in an absolute state when you get back and that person hasn't kept their their promise whatever you you know you're never gonna kind of you won't likely deal with that person again so in order to benefit i guess in some way keeping promises and the like um, these sort of verbal contracts or written contracts. I guess that's why we ended up needing written contracts, isn't it? I guess is that the verbal mm -hmm. ones um, uh, were too easily broken without consequence. So I guess yeah. go back. Yeah, with a written like, contract, you have evidence. You may yeah. you may want another witness. Yes. Uh, to or or then you may want a neutral party to arbitrate and to actually enforce the contract. A contract often contains punishment for people not um, upholding their end. And I find this this whole trend, this whole movement of what contracts have turned into sad, uh, yeah. because it's quite negative if you think about it. 
yeah. the way I feel safe that you're going to do what we what we agreed upon is that you suffer if you don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I will feel justified in my revenge to, to hurt you if you don't do what I expect you to do. That's not a great motivation, but no. unfortunately that is what laws and contracts are like these days. It's not like I love you. I want what's good for you. I will do my very best for that. And so you can trust me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, I guess, yeah, it's like we always talk about how a thing is just a thing. It's And then we what we do with it is what makes it good or bad or positive outcomes or negative outcomes, etc. So the root of keeping a promise should be love, as you say, like, you know, or, or, or trusting someone, trusting someone, I trust you because I, you know, I care for you, love you, appreciate you. And then the other person's like, oh, I appreciate and care for you too. And I love you. I'm going to keep my promise. And, you know, to us, I guess that seems simple. Um, but I guess that's humans beings for whatever reason, we're not like that. But I guess the responsibility does lie with us of who we trust. Like we, we should do our research. We should do, we should know the person enough. You know, it's, it's not a, a hundred percent guarantee protector or anything, but where we place our trust is very important. Like I have, I tend to have a, like not a one and done rule, but like um, you get one chance. And then if, if you mess up, cool, whatever, that's fine. Um, don't care. That's like, again, big mess up. It's not just like little things. Um, and then the second time, if it happens again, then I'm like, okay, that's fine. Like whatever, like I can find other people that I need to do that thing or whatever. Um, a simple, weird, weird, simple one. This is a bit bizarre is, um, things like helping with my board games group, like something simple. If I'm away and ask someone to help with my board games group, like come pick up the board games and take them to the club night. You know, trusting someone to do that, like, isn't that big a deal? But then if that person then, you know, if they're sick or something, then fair enough, whatever. But, you know, if they then forget and that's it, they've forgotten and the board game is not happened. That's, luckily, that's never happened. Um, everyone has been very trustworthy, which is good. Uh, but if that did happen, I'd be like, okay, cool. I'd probably ask someone else next time. But um, but also, we'd potentially ask them again one more time to see... Um, I guess another example is again another weird example is medication. I had my medication with the company pharmacy, and they went over there to get it. They didn't have it. They're like, "Sorry, we don't have it. Uh, come back in a couple of days." And I'm like, "Well, I need my medication, so I go to the pharmacy, get it from there." Tempted to change pharmacy, but it's like, "No, it's fine." Went to the other pharmacy, went to the same pharmacy again the next month, and they were like, "Nope, sorry, we don't have it. You'll have to go to a different place again." And that was it. I was like, "Okay, well, I'm done. That's you have." not fulfilled the contract um the trust so i give up but everyone has different thresholds like i yeah. mean what what do you feel about that like what do you feel about no I, I like i like your approach i i have a similar experience uh, that i can share a few weeks ago I, I i sometimes go on this um this platform where people buy and sell little things um or services but it's most, mostly stuff. But in this case, um, I was trying to look for opportunities to tutor someone in math or computer science. I like to do that from time to time. And I found this guy who said, um, I have a test tomorrow. Or no, he didn't even say that. He said, I have a, a test coming up at, at university in computer science. I need help preparing for it. 
and I looked at the material and I thought, okay, I, I could teach this stuff. So I wrote him and then we, we had a quick call on the phone and then he said, the test is tomorrow, I need your help tonight. And I thought, wow, that's unprofessional, but okay, sure, I guess I can make that work. So, yeah. we, so we set a time and a price and then we met on Zoom and I thought, hmm, the this platform uh, is, is pretty open. You, you they have they have the system for um, for uh, for an insurance. You could say that if if the product doesn't arrive, you get your money back. So so there's this this intermediate account that you can send your money to first, and then the yeah. platform will will take a cut. So it's it's up to you. Do you want to spend that extra fee? But in the in the case of a service, um, it's I don't see any way of doing that. So so it was either he trusts me by paying upfront, or yeah. I trust him by giving the service upfront, and and then expecting him to pay afterwards. I guess we could have done half payment first or something. And I might yeah. I might do that in the future because it turned out that he's not trustworthy. I you would think that's that someone that I just sat with for an hour explaining yeah. his his computer science test to him successfully and you know correctly would be would have enough connection with me to pay afterwards but he he didn't and so i i wrote him and wrote him and it just didn't come that's um, horrific yeah and, until he he blocked me on on telegram where we were communicating and i thought yeah yeah first of all I, I, it felt bad but but then i thought okay yeah. this the the money isn't that much it's okay yes yeah sacrificing one hour well i actually spent an hour before to prepare sacrificing yeah. two hours is okay so if if this were someone who needed me over a long time then it, i could say the first one is a freebie to to test your trust yeah and, and then you pay me after the first time and then just because you paid me i have enough trust for the second time and so on but this was a one-off and apparently to him that was an opportunity to get away with That's receiving crazy. something and not yeah. paying, and it's an interesting thing because it's that that then taints your trust in people or can it in can general, taint your trust yeah. in general? Yeah, like um, what's the term? Is it confirmation bias where you assume that because it happened one time, it's going to happen all the time? That type of thing, where I mean, because black, you be, black and white, black and white. Or, I don't know, all or nothing. Um, yeah, so this is what I was very intrigued about. Is this you've, this is a prime example of um how it affects us i guess individually again who am i as a person and how it affects my view on the world by ha having these situations because it can easily very quickly isolate us from people like that's what was, was fascinating to me is that if you get um like you have you've been again to use a uh i guess a bit of a basic term but you got screwed over like that's that's it like you got robbed you got robbed sure. like when you think about it and that could easily make you go well never doing that again never trusting anyone again but you know you've clearly got a good attitude towards it being like okay you know what yes it was my time and energy that's ultimately okay now you just do you adapt you approach it to it you take it from a positive viewpoint that this isn't going to stop you from doing these things it's going to help you take responsibility and still trust but trust in a way that is um adapted i guess that's the difficult thing is that we have to then still learn to trust because if we don't the consequences are worse this is again what's intrigued me is that 
like trust and fear kind of kind of come in hand in hand i think when like like if you if you or mr i guess um the abuse of trust um because then you fear to be taking advantage again yeah. like that, that's a horrible feeling like it's a horrible feeling being taken advantage of like that um so you start to mistrust people um and then yeah you withdraw from that and you distance yourself from people and you become isolated because you're afraid to feel vulnerable again again all totally understandable like all completely understandable reactions mm-hmm. i've been there hundreds of times myself and had to really push myself to still trust people like again at my at my worst i was isolated for months because of just social anxiety and fear of just different things um and yeah had to try and find people that i could trust with again my personality and who i was and um again yeah it requires a I guess an energy, a pushing forward against the fears and the mistrust. Um, can you can you imagine a world where working people have no contracts, or or just any business people um, have no contracts, and 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 yeah, then a certain trust will be necessary. Or what we're talking about is where where trust builds up over time, right? Because yes. you you dealt well with me in a small matter, let's take on a bigger matter and then yes. so on but what is a contract it is um it is a legal uh thing a document that allows you you know if someone breaks their their agreement it, it allows you to go to the court and then get that person to be punished you know usually financially um yeah. so you have it, it's like there are two children Hmm. expecting a parent to intervene yeah. when when they don't when the children are being unfair to each other and the this is interesting in the context of cryptocurrencies because the cryptocurrency market is still very unregulated its regulations are amassing all the time right now um but i i am i have been enjoying the unregulated part of it because it's just people using their instincts to to decide whether someone something and someone is trustworthy or not and there's another interesting part to my story so after we uh we had this hour of tutoring the guy said oh i see on your telegram profile that you're into cryptos i'm thinking about investing myself and so he's he's totally new to it and then i explain a bit you know what's what's necessary and and if he wants i can help him with that uh, because I enjoy teaching that as well. And then he said, I don't get how you can trust the, the, the platforms, the people, the system, the technology. And I said, yeah, that's it's different than the traditional finance world, but I can explain that. It's, it's actually a, a different kind of trust. You, you don't trust that there will be an institution like a court or you know something from the government. You, you trust that... Um, the technology makes it impossible for for people to get away with uh, with a free lunch, so to say. And um, it's so ironic that that comes from him, because he's not even able to keep a promise over a small, <laughs> over a tiny amount of money. That's and, very interesting. Yeah. And he's so that goes back to what you said about fear. You know, if you're afraid that a system will be unfair, then you can't trust it. And you you tend to adopt the the thing you hate. So you you hate the 
uh, we start off usually by not liking the fact that people can uh, rob each other, like that, 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 that people because um, because it's not regulated as such, or um, that people take advantage of others, like that. You you don't like that, and then you end up becoming jaded over months, years of your life of having these experiences. You can become what you didn't like in the first place. Like this person, I'm sure at various points in their life was like, oh, it's the injustice of um, people being taken advantage of, and is now taking advantage of people. Because yeah. they think it's the only way to do things. They think it's the only way, like the only way to survive. Right. Survival of the fittest. If 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 I don't screw other people over, I'm gonna get screwed over. The and bullied, it just become, the bullied becomes the new bully. Yeah. It becomes a uh perpetuated cycle of yeah, like uh mistrust and then trying to get your own things yourself. Um So should we talk about the, the positive side and how to break the cycle? Hell yeah, let's do it. Well, I, was, I, I was thinking, yeah, I was thinking about um, how it all begins, like in terms of um, societal. But let's, yeah, let's jump to um, how to break that. And I guess we'll, we'll kind of talk about a little bit about the adaptation, but I guess how to adapt is the question is how do you make sure that the positives are happening where it comes to trust and not the uh, negatives? Um, so like you said your worldview can become very grim that you believe or people in general are not trustworthy and they're just out to to get their own advantage and that's true to an extent we are all selfish somehow but it it is good now and again to just look for new circles look for new friendships because sometimes you'll just be surprised that oh actually there are good people out there with strong character who will um, just up, uphold their, their their agreements and who will even, like sometimes, I can't think of a concrete example, but, but maybe y- you agreed on something with someone and uh, like, like he'll drive you home after after the event. And then he didn't, he didn't know that you moved house and that driving you home is a lot more time involved than he expected. And he does it anyway, because that is what you agreed on you know what i'm getting at so even even when you're not precise about your agreements yes. to to uphold it anyway is is a true sign of character yes um yeah that's a, i guess that's the interesting thing is the lack of information so like for example with you and that guy you he should have really declared that the the, the um test for the next day that information should have been there to help you make the judgment call so in a situation like you just described um i it's important i guess for us to make sure we give as much information as possible before we ask someone uh for their trust or vice versa um so they can make an informed decision um often communication is so important in these things mm-hmm. um and then uh, yeah as you say i guess acknowledge the value when someone does trust like does fulfill your trust so our brains so easily pick up on them, as you say, the negative or the things that hurt us or things that are fearful. But we could have a thousand experiences of good trust with people and but not even acknowledge it. Like we don't even acknowledge it, not even just like, you know, someone does commit to driving us home. We say a quick thank you and then get out the car. Done. Like they've they've done gone out their way to do something and we just expect it. And it's just it's just part of that trust agreement. But actually we probably should and maybe maybe not because maybe it get annoying. But to really just say to them, look, I really value, you know, I really value, I guess gratitude in a way. Um, 
you know, I really value, I'm really thankful for the, um, to be able to trust you to come pick me up and to do what you've said you do, because that's important to me. Sometimes when someone does something good for us, we feel bad. Where does that come from? I think it has to do with the expectation of reciprocity. You know, are you able to accept a favor without feeling the need to repay the person in some way? Now that that is a minefield of discussion. I mean, we, I think we're, there's the um. I mean, maybe maybe you're referencing this too. But in my head, my immediate jump to, even though I don't watch it that much or watch it that much in the past, but the Big Bang Theory to do with the Christmas presents. Oh yeah, yeah, where, I remember that. Yeah. Is it is it Penny gets Sheldon a Christmas present or something, and then yeah, um, what you've given me is an obligation. <laughs> yeah, and that's an interesting concept where yeah, like um, giving yeah, fulfilling a trust scenario and not expecting anything back mm -hmm. like you talk about favors so yeah should you um then be ready to give that person a favor and should that person expect a favor back like is that how that should be yeah, I guess. The, the italian expression for please well like when you're asking for something is per favore so as a favor literally oh wow or okay. spanish por favor oh yeah por favor. yeah we're talking about fear that comes when trust is broken and the and and fear being the motivation for um controls like contracts and punishment if agreements are not upheld and where, where does that fear come from and like pretty much every fear i i can trace it back to identification uh with something or some idea and the and then fearing that that um, belief that identification with that idea uh, when you lose it that you die or that you stop existing so in this case um when i send you the money i expect you to send me the product in perfect condition and all that stuff um but i might not buy the product i might not send the money because i'm so afraid that that you will not uphold your your side of the bargain and so i won't go enter the agreement at all in the first place i think that's that's what a lot of employees do rather than going into into their own business you know even though they hate being an employee they they do it because there's less risk involved yeah. than, than with becoming an entrepreneur but but what are we identified with well with the money you know losing the money is like dying or it can feel that way or I don't know what else. Yeah, it's like a. I guess it's like it's like a personal. We take it as a personal attack on our our being, like mm -hmm. on our on who we are, um, and we feel like, yeah, like we've been attacked. Yeah. Even though, even though, literally, even though it could be a system of just like, um, let's say, it's an automated payment that goes through to like Amazon or whatever, and then they're supposed to send out the product that doesn't get sent, and then you have to contact them and stuff. It feels like, yeah, like we've been personally attacked, um, which then again feels like our, oh, I guess our um, existence is belittled and not um, valued, and therefore we don't, therefore we don't exist, and we're dead. Like it's again, it's 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 a bit of a jump but it's it's true in my opinion again when you first explained all this stuff about <laughs> yeah, that's it... true that's true sometimes i just blurt out the, the the things i've learned 
without yeah. building any bridge from one to the next one yeah people's, people's everyday experience to to this insight it can be yeah. a, a leap yeah uh, but, can, but i can... did uh publish an episode recently on our insane search or need for safety and i call it insane because it it is based on false beliefs yeah and false identity so I, I think it's it's just uh, terrifying uh, to see how many people feel the need for safety. And I, this is a nuance. Obviously, every, everyone needs some kind of safety, um, physical, emotional, financial, health. Um, yes, there needs, there needs to be safety nets is what I call it. I call it safety nets available to us, or we create our safety nets through different means. But we shouldn't rely upon them or be... Um, we shouldn't be trapped by them. To um, give you an example, if if you're in a room or if you're on a bus with someone and they cough, do you feel like your health, your life is in danger? Nowadays, I, I expect that a lot more people feel that way than, than they did five years ago. Oh, it's fascinating. Like, I still get a twinge. Like even yeah. like, like, like beforehand, before again, the COVID stuff, nothing. Like, you know, someone coughs near me, whatever. Now someone coughs near me, I just, I literally just like, and then I have to go stopping stupid and just carry on. Like yeah. it's that's evidence it's... that we've been conditioned because yes. there's there's no as far as I understand there's no objective proof that um, someone coughing is any more dangerous than it used to be five years ago. It's yeah. in our minds. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we it's... want safety. We we say no. It's not good enough that that I wear a mask. If I feel endangered, everyone else has to wear a mask. That's another example of yeah. everyone has to you know, live according to my whims so that I can feel safe. That's interesting. Yes. Um, I guess group fear um, creates um, individuals having to comply. Um, but yeah, safety is interesting because like, I think there's a cycle that I've seen people go through time and time again, and I went through it myself, is that you have your own personality. Okay. So for example, me as a teenager was a medium risk taker. So I take risks of different things, but not too, too much. Like, you know, just, you know, live within the bounds of society's created, push them a little bit. That's it, you know? Um, and then I get older and realize, well, the world can be scary. I had a bit of emotional problems, mental health problems, and then start to fear a few things. And again, condition myself to, um, or I guess not condition myself because that's an active thing like without realizing and became conditioned to mm -hmm. fear stuff and then retreat to safety safety nets safety places um into your room or not going outside as much um that was a safe place and that's for short term that was great that made made things work that was um protected me but then the, the key happened where actually i can no longer take risks i no longer feel mm -hmm. the ability to take any risks and um become almost like in a state of nothing like it just like again you want to talk about um feeling like death is imminent my whole i guess yeah being was safe but actually i i felt the opposite i was having anxiety issues i felt afraid of everything and had to realize that pushing against the want for safety is is beneficial and that is an interesting concept because that requires trust in self so I think that as you were talking about safety nets, I was thinking about how we've been talking about trusting other people, but and that is part of this as well. But actually, we have to learn to trust ourselves 
that we can accomplish these things. So like, again, going outside and um, going to a pub or a bar or something and just having a drink with some friends. Like at one point in my life, that was impossible to do because well, I thought it was impossible to do because I was so afraid and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I had to trust myself that I could do it. I, I didn't think I'd do it. I thought, no, I can't do it. Too an- I'm too anxious. I'm too ill or whatever. Um, again, there's a thin line. Sometimes you are too ill to be able to do it. But um, in the, you have to be very self-aware of what you know, what you can and can't do, and trust that you can do these things when the time comes. Um, and I guess goals are like that. When you set goals to push ourselves beyond, I guess safety barriers, and then you learn to take risks again, again over time, or or you stay the same. Again, there's these, I guess, these are choices we have. We can just stay in our safe little environment, becoming more and more ill usually um or push against them and that's what i've seen time and time again i've seen people push learn to push against them and start to learn to take risks and almost enjoy them like enjoy the risks and mm-hmm. um the confidence that comes from that and the accomplishment that feels you can feel from um pushing against those uh safety barriers and then again as i said before you learn to trust yourself more and your judgment because that's kind of what it comes down to as well it comes down to being able to risk management being able to identify what is okay to do where you go actually you know what this is even if i lose everything in this situation all my money everything mm-hmm. do i still do it for the value of doing the thing and it might actually give me even more of what i wanted um what's the sort of cliche phrase they use um where it's like um don't think about what you can't achieve think about what you can achieve kind of thing that's what mentality where we often go oh i can't do that or i can't do that like imagine if we all constantly thought about what we could do and do it rather than not do it. Um, it's again, all fascinating concepts. You mentioned losing everything. Um, I feel like that's happened to me at least twice in my life. And it's, it's just something that you perceive it. For example, I, I lost a lot of money once. Um, and the other one I can think of is uh, losing mental health. Yeah, yeah, losing that foundation that you thought, oh, well, you didn't even realize that it's it's just there. It's just a yeah. given. And so I can always depend on it. And then one day you can no longer depend on it. Um, and then you need to reevaluate uh, what you identify with. So am I my money when my money is gone? Am I gone? Yes. Or, or am I my health when that is gone? Am I gone? And then you start to realize there's something more to me. <laughs> and, <laughs> yeah, and you that, do. It turns out that was superficial. Yeah, the intrinsic the intrinsic value of just, again, just being. Who you are as a person has more value than everything else. And the fact that it can happen more than once in your life is also interesting mm. because you might believe wrongfully that, uh, oh, I've overcome this huge hurdle in life and now everything is going uphill. <laughs> uh, yes, yep. Like uh, when, when you were talking about going out and that being a, um, a huge confrontation, you know, type of confrontation therapy. I did that with, um, when I first was no longer able to work, I um, went on a lot of trips. <laughs> and it was weird because in Germany, when you are ill, you have, a f- most people, or at least I was raised this way, to, to fear the judgment of other people when they see you outside of your home. You, m- yes. you might get in trouble for having fun while you're ill. Anyway. Yes. Oh. So anyway, my therapist agreed that it is good for my confidence and therefore for my mental health to go on trips. 
and just yep. don't care about what other people might think when they see me. And nothing ever, nothing bad ever happened for me going on trips. So I, so I visited all these different countries in within a, a short time. And it was a challenge. I was sometimes very anxious right before I, I left. But every time I came back, uh, it was a boost for my confidence. Yeah. And and then, yeah, it, it was, wasn't the only thing I had to do to recover mentally. But anyway, years later, I have another mental health crisis. Yep. But it's just in a, in a different area. It's something that had been covered, had been not dealt with so far. And then I dealt with that. And so I don't expect this kind of work to be over. <laughs> That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Is that often when I talk, I I guess I talk like it's fixed when I talk about different ways of doing things. That's going to like, oh, you've spent a year or two or three or four or whatever to gain the confidence in this avenue. And that's it. And it's like, no, no. Like at any point in our lives, we can go through a almost identical or even even actual identical situation that causes us to have to then do it all again. And that's fine. That's okay. Like that's life. You know, that's constant um, reevaluation and re um, repetition. And when we come out of it, again, the confidence that is gained, at least I hope for people, um, that you've done, you've achieved these things, you've overcome the fears um, and the worries. It's a beautiful thing to, because it's, it's like a hero's journey. Like we, we always, we always look at stories and we value those and the hero goes through a struggle and fears that they're not good enough or that they, the powers won't be strong enough. And then they kind of, you know, they overcome the villain or the, the difficulty or the challenge. And we do, we do that on a daily basis and don't even acknowledge it. Like it's so bizarre. Like we constantly do things that are the equivalent of fighting you know, a massive villain to the, like to save the world, and we do that daily, and we don't even acknowledge it, and mm -hmm. like with our everyday lives, and I think that's a good way to um help us through fears is to acknowledge the again we talked about earlier the positive the ways to value a situation in ourselves and how well we've done like i do a thing with a few people like um positive affirmations like mm -hmm. remind yourself that you are lovely that you're a good person that you are beautiful that you are that you deserve to be happy these kind of things and over time you know the brain um and ourselves realize that it's true like it's not a lie but we don't believe it often we don't believe these things even if they are true and so we have to learn to believe them um, and then realize that they are true, that we are, you know, our value is ourselves. We don't need anything else. We can want it and it add to it, and that's lovely. But um, we are enough as we are. Um, and that's, again, that situation, going back to the, yes, the original sort of topic of trust, um, requires trust in people. Like, we're constantly having to to search i think i think searching is is the way we have to do it these days and that takes a lot of courage because like you talked about your example with the person who's um didn't pay you after you give them a couple of an hour and then an hour of your own time to research and stuff um we can easily mistrust but if we search for good people and then take it slow i think is a good way of putting it isn't it taking it slow 
yeah. be able to uh, see their um, what's the right term? See, see their true nature. I think. I mean, often we often it's for the extreme cases. Again, we could talk about psychopaths and these kind of things where it's almost impossible to tell if mm -hmm. they're genuine or not. But ignoring that, most people within society that you meet, if you give it, I would say six months, if you, that's sort of my sort of thing. If you get to know someone over six months, you will see their behaviors. You will see there will, there will be cracks in what they do or don't do that will show you if you want them in your life or not. And so you build up that friendship to start off with, you know, get to know them, meet up with them, these kind of things. And I think that's the same for dating. I think that when we date, um, I think in this society, you want to talk about promises and trust and these kind of things, dating and I guess a relationship. And then we obviously have the institution or beautiful promises of marriage, depending on what perspective you have, because I have a very cynical opinion of marriage at times, but actually... A lot of people have a very loving, caring, beautiful image of marriage. Um, and I guess that's down to experience. So I guess, yeah, trust in those situations uh, can be fascinating. Because I think we, you know your, your view on this, but I think we jump into relationships and like, I'm talking about romantic relationships, I guess, um, way too quickly in society. Um, I don't know if that's what you sense or not. Yeah, you you, you said uh, something about six months. Um, yeah. I've, I've heard from several people, I've also experienced it, um, that that is a good time to <laughs> wait until uh, doing anything serious, as in making promises to someone, because that is often how long the, the honeymoon phase can last. I mean, there are different kinds of honeymoon phases that you you can have another yes. one when, when you get married but when you first meet someone you are over the moon uh, yeah. for maybe six months and then you start those, those filters those uh pink glasses no uh, ro ro rose, rose, rose tinted glasses right yeah. start to fade and and you start to become more um, objective about your partner yeah and then you can be more rational in your decision making. Yeah, even in a friendship, actually, I was thinking about like, obviously we're talking about romantic stuff, but even in a friendship, um, it can be very exciting to start off with when you meet someone new, and you you know you banter off each other, and there's lots of different. Um, and in all fairness, that's all what a romantic romantic uh, beginning should be anyway, shouldn't it? it? Should be a friendship ultimately. Yeah. Um, obviously, with other things going on, but yeah, like um, that excitement fades to a degree like again there's always going to be elements of that hopefully in any friendship and you'll have moments where you'll you know rekindle moments of that excitement but you'll also i guess it will come it'll become routine not necessarily mundane because that's i guess a perspective really but routine and whether you enjoy that routine or then realize you don't enjoy that routine um of the friendship um or romantic relationship um i guess is what uh makes or breaks it and i think again like we say that lasts about six months it's probably to a year uh, again everyone's different but um before you kind of see again before you know whether this person is and th that requires you to also be very insightful or to be more insightful because we can so easily blame the other person but actually it's our responsibility to not lie to ourselves 
mm-hmm. and only see the good in someone. Like we can obviously uh, sometimes only see like the good in someone and be like, oh, but they were always nice. Like they were, they were, they, they gave me nice things. Like they, they bought me dinner, <laughs> um, but actually they talk to you like you're trash. Like behind the scenes, they tell you you're rubbish or that you're an awful person, but they buy you nice things and you're like, oh, that's fine. They love me. They show me that they love me through those that way. And you ignore the warning signs, the red flags, as we call them these days, um, of someone's behavior. So that very much is important for us to acknowledge and take responsibility. But it's hard. That's not easy. That's very difficult when, again, sometimes the heart wants what the heart wants and the chemistry wants what the chemistry wants in our brains. And we trust people and find ourselves trapped in situations that we can't get out of very easily. Um, and that's why I always try and tell people to be slow these days. That's always my, I guess my number one advice, which is ironic considering how in the past I would jump feet first into everything. Um, I think I'm better at it these days, but, well, no, I know I'm better at it these days. But I think that's what I try to advise. I try to give everyone when it comes to these type of dynamics with the promises you make. Um, but yeah, where does it come from? Like this is again, we're talking about. Um, I guess let's talk about marriage. I guess in a way, because this is what something's intrigued me recently in some of my writing as well. Is what, um, what I guess led us to as a society. To creating to marriage in the first place? Yeah, to create marriage. Like, yeah. Well, let, let's think about it this way. Um, when you meet someone, you talk, uh, you do stuff together, you spend time. And so when talking is like exchanging thoughts. Um, you know, before you, before you get to, to more physical affection, you yeah. because that binds you and, and you don't want to take too much risk. So you first get to know the person at a distance, you could say. And then see how compatible are your thoughts, your beliefs, your habits, your expectations. Mm-hmm. And, and then and then you, you take one stage at a time. I mean, this is oversimplifying, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you build you build trust step by step. And trusting someone is kind of like um, making agreements or making promises. Yeah. Because and you realize this when someone suddenly does something that is totally out of character and then you think i don't know you anymore (laughs) interesting yes and suddenly i don't want to kiss you anymore for that reason you know (laughs) for example yeah and then and the marriage is is a one distinct step that that is actually part of this whole mm, progression yeah i guess it's yeah i mean again this is just thoughts and um chaotic uh like discussion points is that i guess going back to like thousands of years or tens of thousands of years um you know the uh expectation but i guess if, if before marriage existed for example let's let's say again it's just high this is just hypothetical i don't i'm not a historian a cult or sociologist i don't know the last ice age was ten thousand years ago just as a reference yeah so <laughs> it's like when you get into a relationship usually there's you know this is again just a generalization going to be kids involved if you're getting into that um physical relationship but then you're really bound right if there are kids involved yes <laughs> and i think the i think that's maybe where to me maybe where marriage came from is the fact that if you're not bound together mm-hmm. 
um, then it's easy just to forego your um, res responsibilities um, with something higher, or you're more likely to forego your responsibilities. Obviously, obviously people still do it, obviously, right. in marriage. So in the like, interest of preserving the next generation's well-being and existence, the institution of marriage and, and I guess, forcing two people together or you know yeah. binding two people more closely than they would if they were just in it for fun it yes. seems, seems to be necessary or at least a, a, an important factor in that yes that's that's what my sort of brain kind of goes to mm -hmm. i'm sure there's like hundreds of other just like points of sure. why it would be created again control like i mean i guess that is what we're talking about anyway but in terms of like um whether the whatever the origins were we know that it has been used at certain points in in cultures and history as a romantic thing as in mm -hmm. love it's that's that's what is important for marriage it's to bind two loving people together and that's beautiful and then it's also been used for um business style like dealings where you marry your children to each other um to gain oh. advancement within society or it sounds like india where, where the, the parents talk and arrange their children's marriage yeah i mean we, we, we did it here in britain hundreds of years ago and stuff sure. like it's it's it happens or, or when every... when royal families intermarry so that their countries f feel like they, it would be a betrayal if they went to war with each other yeah all these kind of things where it becomes more of like a a political contract or a business yeah. contract um and so obviously that's generalizations and specific situations and whatever. Um, so it, it seems like a very, um, what's the right word? A very perceptual institution based on, <laughs> based on your perception, how you perceive marriage. Um, mm -hmm. in, in, a, in a way, but more to the, like uh, marriage is based on your perception is what, is what I'm getting at. So to some people it could just be, and, and, whether it's right or wrong, obviously, mm -hmm. is the intention behind the situation. So actually, if where um, consent is in place. So, for example, let's say you're 20 years old and your um, parents come to you and say, we want you to marry so-and-so from this family because it's going to help advance our our family. And you go, OK, you know what, I, I, I let's let me go meet the person and we'll discuss it and whatever. You know what? In those situations where again and that person gets consent as well gets to meet you then fair it's where that consent is taken away where that becomes very like well it's it's it's, it's evil in my opinion it's completely evil it's using um people as what as uh not say products but um uh as contracts almost and again takes away their choice um and choice to me and as a person i think is really really um critical and so where marriage is concerned in that contract if all those things are in place and whether it's for a business thing or whether it's for love or both then fair fair enough but it's again it's when it's tainted and it's like a child's being betrothed to another child and expected to then marry when they're like 18 or whatever that's messed up um to me again like it just feels very evil if i listen to my gut um but then when it's done in love again when it's done as a loving thing it still has all sorts of minefields as well 
because again how do you can you trust this person that you're marrying that they're going to keep that contract again the contract can be there to hopefully um the promise is made um but they have choice they don't have to yeah when 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 if i get married um i first want our expectations to be very clear <laughs> about what that means because like you said it, it, it depends heavily on your uh, perception uh yeah uh, another modern example i was thinking of that is just for um, you know economic convenience is um to get a visa to, for a, poor, a person from a poor country to be able to live in a, in a rich country they yes. get married yep. yeah just that's um just a, a, a business arrangement that's a, um, yeah that's a good way of monday monday way of putting it yeah yeah um but but for me yeah, you're right. There are different definitions, different use cases for marriage. And so that needs to be totally out in the open. Like, what exactly are you thinking uh, about this? Um, and the ability to keep a promise is is also tricky. So I, I've, I've been thinking of this hypothetical example. Say this girl uh, that I'm in love with and, and she with me has this... Um, has had really bad experience with smokers or no let's let's say alcoholics and and so let's say i drink i i don't drink but in this example i drink from time to time and she yeah. says can you promise me that you will never drink once we're married and that's not the right approach right um yeah because no nobody can <laughs> yeah um you we said that contracts are not a, a promise that this will happen, but that this should happen. And if it doesn't, then you will be punished. And maybe that's what a marriage is like as well. This, I mean, the contract won't specify. Well, there are marriage um, contracts, which yeah. I, I don't know if I ever want to get into that personally. But um, again, it's a sign of, of mistrust from the beginning, right? That's an interesting it, one. Yeah. Yeah. At what point does try to save yourself from having promises broken and protect yourself? turn into being completely mistrusting and creating a relationship of mistrust and yeah. often when you accuse people of things even if they're not doing them usually if they're not doing them if you accuse them enough of doing that over time they end up doing it because you're badgering them like because you're um accusing them the psychology is that they just go oh well screw it i'll just go and do it like yeah. Um, if you think I'm doing this all the time, then I'll just do it anyway. Yeah. Um, so again, there's a lot of interesting stuff there. Um, yeah, like trying to clarify a like such a, um, I guess such a heavy contract in a way, because again, like in society, again in in the UK in Western society, um, marriage is traditional. So it's been an institution that's been around for centuries. Um, and I personally don't believe people know, even know why they do it. Mm -hmm. Like people get married. I mean, I mean, there will be people that do. There will be people that are like genuinely, like I went to a marriage recently, to be fair, a couple of marriages recently and beautiful, incredible, good people that I know that um, doing it for, what I would class as all the right reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but I see in general population, most people that seem to get married are doing it because that's what's expected of them. They're expected to once they've lived like um once they've known each other for a certain amount of time, their person so one of them should propose, one of them should get married, that's the box ticks. They've done it. They don't even necessarily discuss 
how the marriage is going to be. You know, when we're talking about things, you know, we are both quite heavy overthinkers to a degree. We value, we value such a situation as getting married to a point where we will think about it a lot and think about what we would want from it and list, hopefully listen to what a partner would want from it. Um, and, I, and I do think that still happens, obviously, with general general people. That does still happen. But it's the, um, I guess, the, um, what's the right word? The, again, the expectation when you get married, things change in a way. Like, again, there's diff different circumstances here. So, for example, let's let's talk about our upbringing. So, racism, well, I was raised as a Mormon, and promises and um, oaths are quite um, valued, uh, quite put upon you, expected of you yeah. through different situations. Very common. Yeah. Very common. Um, that's why this is, again, also intriguing to me. Um, but then when you get married, you're not supposed to live together before you get married. You're not supposed to like have sex before you're married. Um, all these different things. And to me, that seems now, older, seems very backwards mm -hmm. because you could get trapped quite often in a dynamic because you've not been able to scan to the true person. Like you've not been able to, I know so many people in the church that once they've uh, lived together, their spouse completely changes. Mm -hmm. And we're taught that's wrong to like live together beforehand. It breaks the sacred right of things. But actually I personally think that people should live together for a year or two before they agree to get married because you will see um, because marriage is such a strict contract, especially in the Mormon Church, where it's like mm. it's for eternity. It's like it's a the promise is a heavy promise, um, beautiful one when you think about it. But it also, again, it comes with consequences. It comes with, and those consequences create fear more often than love. To be fair, fear of breaking that contract, yeah. fear of um, letting people down, fear of um, not being good enough for God because your marriage didn't go the way you wanted it to. And it's, again, in my opinion, evil, how it's um, promoted and um, how it's blanketed in this love and romance. And it's almost like the Disney concept of that it'll be forever. Mm -hmm. And again, that is beautiful. Don't get me wrong. That is a great thing and it should be promoted, but also it should be discussed that people could change people you need to be you need to be, again you need to be understanding that this person that you're going to be marrying may not be the person you expect and so there should be time taken but what you're saying makes sense to me um um you you never know someone fully so um what am i trying to say so no matter how well you get to know someone you know living together even having children together will not guarantee safety yeah. with, with that person in the future. And people change. Right. So you might say choosing this one point yeah. to make a promise to always stay together is kind of arbitrary. Yes. Because, yeah, you're constantly changing and you can never fully guarantee something about, about your future. Yeah, my my opinion is again we like again trust is important. We should trust. We should take steps, risks, all those kind of things. But we should also be very compassionate, merciful, and loving, and understanding that people do change. And if both people are doing that, then and communicating, because at some point you might just be like, you know what, I don't love you anymore. 
Like I don't have that same commitment that I had. So you communicate that and know that you could do that and then work at it, obviously, try and see if you can build um, together that love back. But if not, to both understand that it's okay. Like it's like, again, change happens. People like should be allowed to have that freedom without the consequences of feeling so punished and mm-hmm. so um, hated um, for making what is actually a good choice. It's a good choice to remove yourself from that situation. You could, um, we can make many parallels between getting married and economic contracts. Uh, yes. As I said earlier, in an ideal world, there is no need for contracts, right? Because people yes. are just honorable. They, <laughs> yes. they, they do their best to fulfill the agreement. Yep. They they admit when it, when it doesn't work out, and they will, you know, make amends. Maybe maybe pay yeah. to to make it okay again. And in a marriage, um, so so getting married publicly is is very important. That it's in public that there are witnesses, so yep. that. So that when you do, for example, uh, sleep around, that you might get caught. <laughs> so, yeah. so there are people who actually know about your agreement to your wife, to your spouse, um, yeah. or the parents of the couple are like the judge that will make sure that they uphold or that yeah. that they will get punished, whatever. So it's kind of sad that there is this similar trend of mistrust and fear and the need to punish each other <laughs> if things yeah. don't work out the way they projected in in their minds it's it's a need for control yeah that, i think that's the key there is yeah need for control and obviously that's in in a way again that stems from a in a way a good place because we again we need to be shaping our own destinies our own lives and whatever like in a way but when things don't go the way expected again when you try and control it or push against it often it can have the opposite effect and make you more miserable so you have to kind of go through the grooming process again these are all it's easy for us to say in in the in in some ways but you know we've been through different uh traumas of our own where we've had to go through these processes of um loss and realizing that um pain and go through process of pain and letting go um and it's that happens, I think, in all situations. So whether we haven't been through the situation of marriage ourselves, then like we've still experienced other things that um, give us insights, not to the same level as someone who has, has been through it, in my opinion, but most close enough to be able to discuss it. So I hope no one, again, judges us for being able to just discuss these things because I think yeah. it's, we're, we're intellectual and emotionally in tune enough to know how these things work. And I think that's important to i guess understand as individuals that for those of us who necessarily haven't been through it we can still um still talk about still discuss still share opinions and beliefs and make sure we all understand that it's from a place of love that we're just trying to put like love ourselves love others um and prepare ourselves because again we may in the future still get married like that may still be optional i don't think i will personally um but i guess i sort of believe in i believe in more of the verbal contracts i guess mm-hmm. of marriage i i for myself um I, I like what you said earlier that marriage can be done for all the right reasons and i i still have the intention and the hope to do just that yes. 
I think it can be a beautiful ceremony. But yeah, to think of it as a business contract is counterproductive. And I wouldn't do it to expect the expect uh, to fulfill the expectations of family and society. Yeah. So, and yeah, we hope that you out there can also enter promises and have the right interpretation and perspective on them to get the most out of them and not not for fear or or revenge or stuff like that. Yeah. So thanks for being thanks here. Thanks for listening. See Thank you. you. Bye.